Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the March 2013 CTS Us Monthly Quiz. We have 10 terrific cases that I think will challenge you, uh, and let's get started. This is an interesting case. You can see what I've done here is a CT angiogram where I'm showing you an axial image behind the knee and then a CTA uh, with bone editing. It's a very nice example. You see this outpouching. It's a classic aneurysm. You can argue about a pseudoaneurysm, but it's an aneurysm. It's not a popliteal artery dissection. It's not an AV malformation, and it's not a soft tissue mass like a sarcoma. It's a classic example of a popliteal artery aneurysm. We see these more commonly in older patients, at times in athletes, and times in patients with prior trauma. Something very nicely shown on CT angiography. This is a great case. This patient presented with abdominal pain. And what are you looking at? You're looking at a coronal and sagittal of the small bowel. And the first thing you see is in the small bowel loops distally, there's a soft tissue mass, which is clearly fat density. It's a fatty tumor. Now, sometimes you can see fat inside a loop from an interception, and it's just the fat of the mesentery being pulled in. But here, when you look at cross-section, when you look at all the images, the entire mass is fat. So indeed, this is small bowel lipoma. But the best answer is a small bowel lipoma causing it into susception. So just a very, very nice example. No, it's not a liposarcoma. That would be a large soft tissue mass involving bowel. And no, it's not an unopacified bowel loop. A very, very nice example, and this patient had a 15-centimeter lipoma removed at surgery. Very, very nice example. Now, this is a trickier case. I say to you, based on these images, the least likely, least likely diagnosis in a 29-year-old male is. And what are you looking at? You're seeing a large solid and cystic mass left up a quadrant pushing near the kidney and renal artery and vein. And honestly, from these two images, you could have easily said it's a pancreatic tumor. And if it was a pancreatic tumor, a serous adenoma would indeed be a good thought. You might also think about potentially a spend tumor. Could this be a sarcoma of the retroperitoneum? Undoubtedly, it can be. Liposarcoma is indeed a possibility, although it doesn't contain much fat. The other thing that you could think about would be a testicular tumor. Because remember, testicular tumors give cystic nodes and can give large retroperitoneal masses which protrude outward. In fact, this case was a seminoma, very, very classic in the 29-year-old male. The thing this is not is a lymphoepithelial pancreatic cyst. Lymphoepithelial cysts or fluid density, often in the negative category, like minus 10, minus 20, but they're well-defined, smooth, do not have these septations and nodularity, and do not have cystic components. So just a very, very, very nice example. This case, I'm showing you two sets of images, arterial phase and venous phase. And you look at the images, the first thing you realize in the arterial phase is you're getting a patchy enhancement. You're not getting good vascular anatomy. And the venous phase, you also notice this patchy enhancement, and you're not seeing the venous structures to any degree. The patient has parenchymal liver disease. There's something going on. And you might think about cirrhosis, but... You know, it's a consideration, but that would not explain the vessels looking like they do. And hepatitis can give you edema, but you would still see the vessels. And we're not seeing a discrete mass. This is an infiltrative process, more like parenchymal inflammatory rather than neoplastic. And this is a classic example of Bud Chiari syndrome. You don't see the hepatic veins. Very, very nice example. Classic patchy enhancement, which changes from arterial to venous phase imaging. 
This is a great case. The patient presents with an absent pulse in the left leg, and so the thought was either peripheral vascular disease or maybe a clot in the patient's popliteal or one of the distal vessels. But when you scan downward, look at the patient's abdominal aorta. At about the level of L4, L5, there is occlusion of the abdominal aorta. You then see flow in the common iliac on the right, but the left common iliac is occluded. You get some external iliac filling via collaterals. This is just a beautiful example. The patient did not have trauma, so it's not a transection. I will admit I do have a case of a patient was getting a uh, uterine fibroid embolization where the aorta was injured. It's not a sarcoma because you don't see a mass. I've seen sarcomas of vessels, but then they, they enlarge the vessel. It's not a slow flow phenomenon. This is not a physiologic change when you typically look at the lower extremities and one side fills earlier than the other. That's not the case. This is acute aortic occlusion with clot extending down the left iliac artery. This patient had surgery and the clot was removed. Just a really nice example. And interestingly, I've seen about a dozen cases of this over the past couple of years. Now, this is an interesting case. I'm asking the question, what's the cause of the patient's left renal vein thrombosis? Now, the thing is, if you look at the venous phase imaging, you see the thrombus in what is a dilated renal vein. Now, the kidney itself looks okay, but what could this be? The key is the arterial phase. On the arterial phase, you might see nothing with a thrombus, or you might see a suggestion of the thrombus, but what you see here is increased vascularity of the thrombus. So what does that mean? When you see increased vascularity, it means it's a tumor. And it's not going to be a primary tumor of the renal vein. It means the patient probably had a lower pole, and in fact had a lower pole renal cell carcinoma that was hypervascular, or clear cell that grew up into the renal vein. Hypercoagulability states give you renal vein thrombosis, but no enhancement, and nephrotic syndrome can be caused by renal vein thrombosis, but no enhancement, and septic emboli can cause filling defects in the renal vein, but you're not going to see the enhancement. So it's just a very nice example, and I presented the case a little bit differently because I wanted you to really think about the possibilities. Now this is an excellent case. This is an IV drug abuser with pain in the groin. The patient had injected previously in this region. So things we think about, abscess, hematoma, maybe an aneurysm or a pseudoaneurysm. And what you see here is in the axial, you see this soft tissue mass and you see dilatation of the superficial femoral artery. But when you look at the CTA, you see these multiple outpouchings of the SFA. That's classic for mycotic pseudoaneurysms, multiple outpouching. And undoubtedly, this patient probably was injecting, and this is the source of the inflammatory process. It's a beautiful example of mycotic aneurysms. No, it's not a focal dissection, and no, it's not a focal ulceration, and no, it's not FMD of the SFA. I don't think there is such a thing. Beautiful example of mycotic aneurysms. We typically think about them in the aorta, abdominal aorta, but here's a very nice example down in the groin. One of the complications of IV drug abuse. This is an excellent case. This is a patient with GI bleeding, and we have some nice work that we're looking at where we typically think about small bowel bleeds as the cause for GI bleeding, but we've seen a number of cases where it's been the rectum that's been the source. And when you look at the axial imaging in this patient, you can see how bright the rectum is, which suggests the patient has a colitis. But look at the sagittal CTA views. Look how bright the blush is, the feeding vessels from the IMA, just a beautiful example. 
And no, this is not a colon cancer. It's not a discrete mass. It's circumferential. And no, it's not hemorrhoids. Those tend to be rounder, and they can get big vessels, but probably not this big. And we're not talking about an AV malformation because it's circumferential. This is a beautiful example of acute ulcerative colitis. Again, when you're looking for GI bleeders, look at the rectum. When you're looking for GI bleeders, use CT angiography. It is indeed very, very helpful. This is a great case, and what's the best diagnosis was my question. Well, you see a large cystic mass. First image, perhaps it's ovarian. But then you look at the second image on your right, you see markedly enlarged neuroforamina. Now, neuroforamina can be enlarged in a number of things, and you might think about neurofibromatosis, but it wouldn't explain the cystic mass. And myeloma can give you lytic lesions, but these are expansile lesions. And an abscess in the pelvis, if you saw the cystic lesion, I guess that could be a thought. But how do you put the bony changes together? And this is a classic example of Marfan syndrome. One of my first articles I wrote was on duralectasia in Marfan syndrome. The, uh, the, the dura expand, and it really erodes the foramen, and it can present as a pelvic mass by eroding out. This is sacral meningocele, essentially. We've seen articles where people have operated on these patients. They thought they were ovarian masses. So again, it's something to be aware of. This is one of the most dramatic examples of this I've seen. This is an interesting case, and I wanted to know what genetic syndrome the best diagnosis is. And I just thought I had this case. I've never seen one quite like it, so I figured I would share it with you. It's a very large spleen. There's some calcifications. What gives you a large spleen? There are many things. Infectious, mononucleosis, lymphoma. But what else? Well, I asked for genetic causes. Well, Ehlers-Danlos gives you vascular processes, but not a big spleen. And neurofibromatosis does not give you a big spleen. And tuberous sclerosis gives you renal and pancreatic pathology, but does not give you splenic pathology. Gaucher's disease, on the other hand, classically gives you an enlarged spleen. There's massive splenomegaly, erlenmeyer femurs. So again, the best diagnosis is Gaucher's disease. So with that, those are 10 terrific cases. I hope you enjoyed the quiz. I hope you got them all right. But more importantly, I've heard, I hope you've learned some good lessons. And with that, have a great day.